Kia ora koutou and welcome to Primary Matters, a podcast that delves into the things that matter to the primary industries. I'm Carol Stiles and in this series, Gut Feelings, we're looking at food safety, the things we shouldn't eat, what to look out for and efforts to keep us all healthy and safe. Most people know you can get sick from eating dodgy shellfish. Well, today I'm at Nelson's Cawthron Institute to hear how scientists make sure we don't. I'm with Tim Howard. He's a marine toxin chemist and leader of the Safe New Zealand Seafood Research Programme. He says three days a week, chilli bins are delivered to Cawthron. Yeah, we have shellfish turning up every week from the top of the north to the bottom of the south. Uh, turning up in Little Old Nelson for testing to ensure that it's free of marine toxins and is able to be able to be sent overseas and enter our key export markets. What sort of shellfish turns up here? It's mainly mussels because that's what our shellfish aquaculture industry is largely based on but we get oysters, uh, sometimes scallops as well. Filter feeding shellfish is what tends to turn up on our doorstep. Uh, yeah, There's a really dedicated crew of people who are trained to collect samples uh, essentially weekly from commercial growing areas. They're collected from a particular area uh, at a certain depth, kept on ice while they're transported to Cawthron so they turn up to us in good shape and within a period of time that ensures that the results we get are representative of the sample when they were taken. The shellfish are opened, drained, homogenised and prepared for analysis on the day they arrive. Within 48 hours of being collected, there's a result. They're tested for a range of toxins, each with a three-letter acronym. There's ASP, DSP, NSP and PSP. Amnesic, diuretic, neurotoxic and paralytic shellfish poisoning. Yeah, I know that's, that sounds really confusing, but um, there are several uh, classes of toxins that must be monitored for to be able to enter certain export markets. What's New Zealand's reputation like overseas for providing top quality shellfish? I think it's undoubted that, that New Zealand's got a great reputation for the quality of our seafood and the safety of the seafood that we produce and, and send overseas. We just need to get it right all the time. One bad result or you know one poisoning event in market is, is, is not going to be great for, for anybody. So we've got to make sure that our standards are, are set high and are maintained and there's this relationship between the industry, the science community and the regulator all sort of playing their part and making sure that we don't drop the ball. Tests are also run on shellfish taken from non-commercial areas, places where it could be collected by members of the public. Most of the areas in New Zealand where there's a risk from harmful algae and the marine toxins that they produce, there uh, is monitoring that's going on. In some of the areas where there's no history of toxic events, there isn't so much testing that goes on. So somewhere like Fiordland, for example, there isn't much testing that goes on because there isn't much risk at present. Do you do any testing on fish, on white-fleshed fish? Um, we, we certainly do um, fish testings. So we're looking for other things with the fish that we test. So this might be um, in a, a processing facility where a pathogen like listeria might be perceived as an issue and needs to be monitored for. That could be white fish, but it could also be uh, salmon. Tell me about Trevally. 
Trevally, okay, so that's known as a scromboid species of fish. The potential issue there is that if the cold chain is not maintained, you can get a bacterial growth on the fish, and that can produce a compound known as histamine. And some people have an allergic response to histamine, so that's why there needs to be monitoring of that, that type of fish. You, know, you need to make sure that the, the cold chain is maintained when that fish is harvested and sold to, sold to people. Scientists at the Cawthron Institute are keeping an eye on what's on the horizon and could turn up in New Zealand waters. We're looking at what microbial threats are a current issue to our seafood industry, but what could be in the future. You know, thinking about what are the impacts of climate change and how could they impact on the harmful algae that might turn up in New Zealand. What could happen with the extension of range as our, as our waters warm around the coastline of New Zealand? And what other bacterial pathogens might, might pop up and what can we do to address them if they do? So we might see things here that are prevalent in more tropical countries? Yeah, so, so one key issue in the Pacific Islands is something called Sigutera poisoning. Uh, so this, this really is a, a big issue in the South Pacific. And so we, we know quite a lot about the, the microalgae that produces the toxins that turn up in the fish that you eat and you get sick. And so we're trying to understand the expansion of the range, habitable range of the, of the microalgae. And we've, we've found it in the Kermitic Islands, which are about 800 kilometres to the northeast of New Zealand. So we're saying if the water keeps warming, is there a chance that around the top of Northland these types of algae will turn up? And if they do, do they present a risk to the types of um, seafood species that we have in New Zealand? So um, that, that's something we're trying to appraise right now. And what is the Cicatera poisoning? There's a variety of symptoms from um, gastrointestinal through to neurological symptoms, none of which are very nice and you really don't want, it, don't want to get it. And you get it from eating what sort of fish? So these are typically um, what they call pelagic fish. So the algae are eaten by herbivorous fish, and then herbivorous fish are eaten by carnivorous fish. They're typically the ones that, that humans catch and want to consume. Definitely a problem in the tropics, not a problem here at present, but potentially could be in the future. So what is that risk? What can we do to be prepared? So in the tropics, do they just avoid eating particular types of fish or do they test or do they know which ones might poison them? I think it's very much hit and miss. There's um, some traditional knowledge around various areas that are problematic and certain f uh, fish species which are problematic. And this, this leads to a whole range of problems of you know, island communities not being able to harvest a really valuable protein that they've had over decades and centuries to you know, eating other types of food which are potentially not as good as you know, relying on protein from the sea. Tim says having a lab in Nelson that can analyse seafood isn't much help to communities 2,000 kilometres to the northeast wanting to eat the fish they've caught that day. Yeah, so we're trying to, one, plug the, the key data gaps, the fundamental understanding of what's causing the poisoning, but also thinking about what are the monitoring tools and management practices that could be put in place to be able to ensure people don't get sick. So that's around developing you know, rapid test kits for cyclotoxic fish. So that's something we're working on. 
and the other bit is that, that fundamental part of what are the algae, where are they, can you determine if they're there, and if they are present, can you put in place management practices to ensure people aren't collecting fish from that area and getting sick. The other bit of work that I'm, I'm working on is thinking about you know what tools can we use or be developed for industry and for our regulator to give really timely results that can be used um, either in the field, uh, on a mussel barge, by a local community that's harvesting product for, for themselves to eat. Put the tools in the hands of those types of people to be able to make you know, near real-time decisions around the safety of the, of the shellfish that they're producing. And so that's, um, that's a really exciting area to be involved with. We haven't got all the answers, but we're working on them. I guess since we've had COVID and first we had the PCR tests, uh, that took a few days to, to come back, and, and then we had the rapid tests that took, I don't know, 15 minutes. People are expecting results quite quickly now from scientific testing. Yeah, COVID's um, done a lot of, lot of good things around uh, people's knowledge around science. You know, I had a chat to my neighbour who's a real estate agent around whole genome sequencing. You know, before COVID, you know, I, I didn't even really have much of a clue about that, but now it's, it's commonplace. Same with these, these rapid kits, you know, these lateral flow devices, you know, where you can you know, take a secretion or a extract from a sample and drip it onto a little test strip and then you can see a colour change over a period of 15 or 20 minutes. So the science that underpins that is really essential, but the application or implementation of that type of kit for a local community or for industry to use to make real-time decisions around food safety, that's exciting and that's stuff we want to be involved with. Dr Tim Harwood from the Cawthron Institute in Nelson. And I'm Carol Stiles. You've been listening to Gut Feelings, a series in MPI's Primary Matters podcast. Thanks for your company. Hierbei, tada.